Hi guys, welcome to the Keeping It Real podcast, where we keep shit real. Join us for our first season as we discuss the tea around the mental health care system and policies here in Canada. The first episode is all about mental health and our experiences. Today, I'm joined by Ikra, Tass, and Claire, three people who actually joined me for my first ever podcast last year, except Claire is actually talking in this one, and she's not the (laughs) photographer. Um, So I just kind of wanted to give you guys the floor and just kind of tell a little bit about yourself to the Keeping It Real community, and you you guys can talk about your favorite hobby, where you're from, what your favorite color is. I'm Tasia. I'm a U of T student, and I'm double majoring in economics and public policy, and I'm doing mm-hmm. a minor in psychology. I'm also in my last year, so I'm almost done. And then I... Ooh, congratulations! Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And in my free time, which I rarely have, I like to paint, or um, I, I prefer editing photos over, like, actually taking them. I don't know why. I just love it. But yeah. And my photos got you (laughs) okay um hi i'm claire um i go to seneca for entrepreneurship and business um my hobbies are also painting um and photography not so much the photoshop or editing but just taking the photos themselves um my favorite color is yellow (laughs) and that's me that's it (laughs) now ikra Hi guys, um, my name's Ikra. I go to the University of Toronto. Not going to say which campus. Figure it out. Um, I am currently double majoring in economics and public policy, um, and hopefully next year will be my last year. Um, don't know, but hopefully it is. Okay, that was great introductions. So I guess I just wanted to start off by asking you guys, how has your quarantine summer been? Because I know it's been hard on all of us being stuck inside and not being able to do the regular things you would do during a summer vacation. Um, but yeah, like how, how has it been for you guys? How has it been towards your mental health as well? Um, it definitely takes a bit of adapting and getting used to. Uh, well, for everyone that's involved, like, especially if you're used to going to work every day or going into school, and then all of a sudden, it's just lockdown. So it definitely took a bit of um, getting used to and figuring out, like, how you're going to spend your time now. Um, Mentally, personally, I experienced a bit of, um, like, anxiety, just general anxiety over what's going to happen. Um, to the people I know, to the people Mm -hmm. I love, what's going to happen to me, my job, stuff like that. So a bit of general anxiety about those things. And then after being cooped up for a couple months, (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't have it very bad, but um, I did kind of get to a low point myself just because it's hard to stay motivated and encouraged to keep doing the things that you love to do or especially doing the things that um, you're used to doing in a different way so but then you know if you change your mindset a little bit or or you find different coping mechanisms and and new activities that you can do at home and stuff like that then it, it starts to change a little bit but that's only that was my experience what about you guys 
Um, so with me, I definitely agree. I've been having my highs and lows. Honestly, like right now, I'm at a very low point where like I haven't done anything in like so long and I cannot bring myself to do anything. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm always like, oh, like I'll go and like, or like uh, my friends will like check up on me and like it's really sweet and everything. And even mm-hmm. like just regular stuff that I love to do, I, I just can't like... I've been so unproductive and I like yeah I've been trying to like tell myself like hey it's okay you know like everyone's going through it but like it doesn't help when like there are people counting on you for certain stuff that they expect you to do like regularly as you mm-hmm. would and you don't know how to be like hey like I'm not okay and I don't know how to explain it to you because I can explain it to myself yeah yeah exactly that makes total sense how about you Ikra? Um, I honestly feel like, I feel like I can relate to everyone who, who just spoke because I think like quarantine, like with quarantine, I feel like being in school has sort of been able to mask like what I'm actually feeling going through quarantine. Cause I know on days when I literally don't have anything to do, it's just like a very low energy. Like I don't want to get up. I don't want to do anything. And it's like, if I have work to do, I'll push myself to do it, which I think is horrible because I haven't, like, I just haven't been able to like, you know, like, I, how do I say it? Like, I haven't been able to, I think that's just it. That's how my quarantine's going. I can't even describe it. It's like, it's just like (laughs) school's literally taking up all of my time. And it's like, it's Honestly, I envy me. you for being able to even do school. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I feel like, but I feel like if I didn't have school, I'd literally be going insane. Like, I would not oh, know yeah, what to do with sure. myself. Yeah. So it's like with school, it's like, okay, at least I have something to do for the day. And it's just like, it, it sucks because it's like, I know that like friends have made plans, but I've always been like, oh, like, no, like, sorry, I got an assignment due. And it's like, no, like, I just want to like my headset is like stuck on like okay finish your work finish your work finish your work I'm not giving myself like the world is pretty much ending you can relax um that's true yeah I I actually went through the same mentality for a a good while not Mm -hmm. like with school or anything but I was so conflicted internally I was like you need to get stuff done you need to to paint and sell art and make money and start like a small business and then (laughs) on the other hand I'm like hold on why would you need to do that right now why don't you just enjoy yourself eat some pizza watch some Netflix and then you know tomorrow everything will be over so I had a lot of you will be the same so you you can still do it (laughs) tomorrow you can start your business (laughs) yeah I know I feel like okay can I just cut in I'm so sorry guys but I feel like um even on social media like I like when you're scrolling through your feed you see those like so there was this one girl I think she posted a tweet where it's like if you're not hustling during quarantine like what are you doing with your life and you know that's how I was thinking I was like I have all this free time like why am I hustling and doing the things that I want to do because now I'm staying at home and I remember Mm -hmm. someone replied back and was like people are going through so many different hardships like oh yeah you know even mentally wise like you know Claire you talked about your anxiety and it's like how you were at a low point and even you and Tass were at a low point right it's like Mm -hmm. you can't just expect like I feel like we expect so much of ourselves but it's like we don't realize that we're going through so much ourselves and I feel like that kind of was like hey it's fine if you're like at a low point and you just need some Mm -hmm. time for yourself you don't have to start a business that's going up and running by the end of this summer just (laughs) take some time to enjoy yourself it's 
it's kind of a, a bad mentality to have. Like, just because you have this time, it doesn't mean you need to do anything significant with it. Like, you don't have to expect such high things from yourself. Yeah. Just enjoy, enjoy your day. Like, go outside, just relax. Like, it is, there's so much stress in the world right now that mm-hmm. you don't need to add extra pressure on yourself from yourself, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's a I bad, it's everyone... a bad mentality. But yeah, yeah everyone's sorry. also expect no 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 I'm sorry um <laughs> everyone's also expecting to come out like some next level chefs have like a new career and <laughs> I know no. <laughs> LinkedIn maybe. is literally attacking me right now <laughs> exactly like maybe it's just like you need to figure out who you are and mm-hmm. that yeah. in itself can be like a really hard thing to do yeah exactly. Like, mm-hmm. yeah exactly and especially um, considering all the free time that we do have, um, at least from personal experience, like when when you get excessive amounts of alone time or when you're bored a lot, um, that can open a big pathway for like negative thoughts. Yeah, Because you're just kind of trapped in your own head, right? If you're alone and like not doing anything, you're just thinking. And unfortunately, that can turn into uh, toxic thoughts or negative mm-hmm. thoughts instead of the positive ones. So it's really important to like try to make sure, try to catch yourself and try to keep yourself yeah. thinking positively and like just thinking with love and like, what what is best for me to do today? Is it read a book? Is it go pick flowers? Like, just it's it's hard to not fall into that you know I completely agree yes Mm -hmm. I guess you know coming back to that point you know how you both talked about your anxiety and your low points I guess my question is like how have you because I know Claire you just touched upon it where it's like you have to give yourself positive thoughts and be like you Mm -hmm. know today I might have to switch over to something else how do you all individually I guess manage your low points or kind of go about making it a way into you feel better or you're more positive about your day? Um, so I'll start because I actually did something mm-hmm. today after like almost a week of doing nothing. Like it was so <laughs> bad. Um, and I'm generally someone who enjoys outdoors. And mm-hmm. I think it's all about finding out what you enjoy and what you love to do and incorporate that into being productive or getting what you want done. So for me, the assignments, and since I know I enjoy being outdoors, I literally... And I enjoy like being in a library too, like when I'm studying. Mm-hmm. So I literally sat on my patio with like all the stuff I'd normally have on a table mm-hmm. in our patio. And then I did work like that. And I actually got that I have all week <laughs> <laughs> in like a span of an hour. Like I was so, like I literally had to like take a break, step back. I looked up and I was like, hmm, like okay and know that it's okay to take those breaks that you that yeah where you're like oh okay like I've gotten something done and not be mm-hmm. like oh I got something done after like one week I was more like oh my god you actually got yourself to do something after <laughs> one week like I'm so proud of you yeah hmm. um for me what I okay well First, I'd just like to say a good thing to do to kind of make you, you make yourself feel better, not necessarily in COVID, but at any time that you're feeling upset is definitely remember that it's okay to cry because that's what I did. (laughs) (laughs) And, and obviously, okay, obviously there's a difference between crying all day, every day, because then you maybe should seek um, a therapist or something like that if you're really, really, really down all the time. But sometimes it's really good to just let that emotion out of your body because 
having that cooped up inside you is what can make it a lot worse. So to enjoy your day a bit better, if you're feeling down, it's okay to cry. It's okay to feel emotional. Uh, You can write in your journal about it. You can Mm -hmm. talk to your family or friends about it. It's also good to communicate because if you don't, then that's another trap that you're setting for yourself because like mentally it's so straining to have to to think about it just all the time and try to weigh your options and deal with how you're feeling alone without any help or or suggestions so personally that's what helped me is sharing with others and getting that support and comfort Mm. and crying (laughs) (laughs) so that's that's what helped me get out of my like kind of down phase now now I'm kind of trying to motivate myself and yeah like like Tass said just focus on things that you know will make you feel better if you know that going and sitting outside to study will help you then do it like it nothing's nothing's holding you back in that way you can definitely sit on your patio you just can't really go to like a public yeah place (laughs) so you gotta adapt for sure yeah Yeah, exactly how about you I know that um Tass and Ikra are taking summer courses if I'm not wrong so like even in that perspective like how are you guys managing that stress um I'm not I'm not (laughs) I cry every single day like that's it um it's just I think it's just like honestly like my whole thing through the summer is like okay just keep going just keep going until finals are over and then literally just deflate Um, but won't you burn yourself out like how do you because I I feel like burnout affects you more mentally especially when you're starting school again it's just gonna suck so much because you're already burnt out for the summer and then it's like you go back to school yeah yeah it's horrible because it's that's literally what I'm thinking it's like okay things are done like officially for a lot of people around the 27th or at least for me and then school literally starts on the 8th of September so you barely have like a good good Mm. a week and a half to like sort of like calm down and have all of your breakdowns before school starts again (laughs) um but I think for me it's like I really am starting to value like my alone time like I really sort of appreciate that time where I can like put my headphones in and sort of like jam out to music um put on Mm -hmm. some Beyonce um (laughs) I've been enjoying like evening walks a lot like after I know like it's a thing that all of us do like me and my sisters will like in the evening when the weather sort of starts cooling down a little bit we'll just go around um around the neighborhood for a couple of like for a walk a couple of rounds and I know that's been a very sort of in a way it's sort of been a very therapeutic thing mm. um but yeah I think in, in terms of like managing school and stress I have not 100% not been doing that well at all oh me neither don't even worry about it <laughs> I was burnt out even before quarantine started like I was working my way to being burnt out and I was actually applying for internships in the summer mm-hmm. so when that got canceled like I was like oh shoot I should take school which was probably the worst decision I've ever made in my life like mm-hmm. it was so bad I I think I barely did anything for any <laughs> but it's but I've like I, I'm really lucky in a sense where I'm like, I'm probably going to credit, no credit all the courses I took this semester. It's something I need to do for myself in order to like get myself ready for next year. Yeah. I mean, next semester and like actually like do work properly. So I'm figuring out how, what works best for me is staying at home, um, how I can utilize my time and it's, it's been hard because I've had to basically become a new type of student. Yeah. you spend all of university being one type of student you mm-hmm. know and you True. know what works for you 
and then you get put into this situation and now you got to be a completely different student and figure out what works for you in a different sense and it's so like it's so odd to say that it's never happened before that you can't really talk to anyone about it because mm-hmm. you don't even know how to handle it um so this question is going to lead on to i guess my next few questions but you know how you you both are taking summer classes and you guys are struggling with burnout are there any resources provided by our university for that burnout because i know this was like a conversation we did have last time too where we talked about uft's and uft's mental health policies and the actual incident that happened with the suicides that actually did happen happen on campus i was wondering like because you guys are experiencing that burnout have you guys reached out to any resources or were there any resources provided by your universities at all? Um, there wasn't anything provided that I know of, like based mm-hmm. on all the emails and stuff they've sent us, there hasn't been anything provided, but I am planning to revisit and message all the professors to let them know, like I am going through yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm not asking them to pass, like I'm not to pass I'm not asking them to give me like a 70 or an 80 or anything like that I mean I just want to let them know it's happening and like just let U of T in general know it's happening but also like I know for them they're probably going to say it's too late because mm. your semester is literally over so it doesn't really matter which in a sense it doesn't but I feel like it's something that people should know yeah for sure I think yeah. they might be accommodating considering the situation. Because <laughs> it's it, it. Oh wow. Yeah, well, I, I guess I guess Claire, how about like from your college, were they accommodating towards, you know, mental health? Like were they providing services for you guys or, um, or anything? Well, unfortunately I haven't really been paying much attention. But mm-hmm. <laughs> in the in the in the short times that I do and like briefly read the emails mm-hmm. and stuff, they they have sent out like um like group things like yeah uh, such and such time we're gonna do yoga virtually and or, or so, things like that like activities they're offering activities that people can do from home so they're not bored mm-hmm. the whole day and and mental um mentally positive activity the yoga meditation um i think there was an art one they were trying to encourage people to do some art at mm-hmm. home stuff like that that's the most that i saw but they probably I'm, I'm sure they provided some um someone to talk to or, or different websites or phone numbers for people as well um i uh have not uh, been paying attention to any of the resources <laughs> I, um, they haven't done anything to show us unless like you've exactly. like physically gone and looked for it Uh, it's really hard to do a lot of times when you don't know what's happening to you exactly no and also I think like the other biggest barrier is like I think this summer um for me I I wanted to like sort of get a hold of like what I was sort of looking towards in the future and I know like again there's so many like it like one like barriers but when I talk about barriers it's just like the timing, the appointments, and they all act as barriers, right? Because it's like when I wanted to book my appointment, it literally was like, oh, this person's unavailable. You actually have to call that day of, book an appointment, uh, maybe see if they're available in the day, and then maybe call back later on, right? And it's like if someone, like if you're a student and you're like, okay, like I have other things to do, you're not going to pay attention to that, right? So I think for me, it's literally just been like, okay, um, you know, I'm not going to really like the resources that I know of were already there. I don't think they've changed them a lot, but that's sort of just it. 
Yeah, that kind of leads me to my next question, like, regarding UFT policies, because I know, like, Tass, we talked about this last time, too, where you talked about how you one time did try to book an appointment, but then it was timing, and it was even trying to schedule that appointment in the first place. Like, Ikra said, that was really hard, and I was wondering, has any of those policies changed or made better for you guys, better for the students at University of Toronto? I know that they've... um brought up more helplines and help phones but it they don't directly they're more for emergencies rather than like hey like um here's an like it's still hard to book an appointment like it doesn't happen easily like yeah they have more departments like you can like it's not like one general line anymore like there's more people helping and they've funded more funds towards the programs but there hasn't been like a huge like big thing that's changed because if it is then they're not advertising it correctly that all their students know it's accessible to them which is equivalent to actually not being there like if you're not mm-hmm. letting everyone know what you offer you're at, you're doing just as much damage as not offering it yeah i think i would agree with that i think like like just personally one of the biggest problems that i see within our university or disregarding mental health policies is that like i know from what's ha- what has happened there's been more awareness but i feel like we've just gotten stuck at that level cuz i know yeah. like we've got committees now and i know that we've got actual like people going like hey like if you feel like there's something wrong we'll present it to like the higher ups but i think the biggest problem is is like there's so many, it's so bureaucratic, like, you can propose as many policies as you want, but if the people on top are not willing to listen to you, then you know that none of them, none of those are going to get drafted, and I think that's the biggest thing, because just from what I knew last December, I knew that we had a mental health committee, and I knew that they were proposing tons of policies, and I know that when it came to actually presenting them, a lot of it was, like, when they have their, um, what's it called, like, when they have their meetings, and they have, like, the agenda on them, I mean, the agenda for their meetings it's usually a thing that gets passed by like super quickly so i think that's another big problem it's not that like we're not doing enough it's just that no one is really paying attention to it to understand that we are doing help yeah that people that are meant to help you it's become so political even within themselves it's like you're literally meant to reach a bigger picture but here you are arguing about who's going to be president who's going to be major like you spend 30 minutes of your time doing that in an hour meeting and then you spent like two actual minutes talking about what needs to happen and what needs to change wow i totally agree with you i feel like even with my first year of uni like I was paying attention a lot because I did need those services and I was trying to actively reach out and actively go to get those services. I think I even one time texted Claire in anger because like I had an appointment and then it got rescheduled and I I had no clue about it. And I remember just like coming into that office like around 9am and just like being like, what? They have no space. And I was just like, what am I supposed to do now? I just want to sit here and cry. But like... Um, but like, yeah, I feel like that was the problem with me too. It's just like the scheduling. It's like, there's so many barriers on top of barriers and to the point where it's like, you don't want to, you don't want to reach out anymore. You try to look for other things and it's like, and then you look for other things and then you realize you don't have insurance to reach out to a professional therapist without paying like $150 per session. And then it just, Mm -hmm. 
it, it there's just so many barriers for it and the worst part about this is you have students joking about it like oh i can't wait to be a therapist and charge like this much percent yikes or, like they'll be like hey i'm basically helping you like this is what i'm gonna do in the future you should just give me this much like it's insane that you joke about it mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> It's like a real, like in Canada too, like this is a really big problem. It's like, I feel yeah. like I'm like, I think I'm agreeing with Ikra. It's like, we're at that awareness part where we know it's such a big problem, but we're stuck. It's like, we're not going forwards, nor are we going backwards. We're just like stuck right yeah. where we are. That's just it. Mm-hmm. I guess even coming to that, like to just like share a little bit about your story is like, Clara, I was wondering if you wanted to talk a little bit about you and your mental health journey. Well, my experience uh, with mental health problems basically started in high school. Uh, Started with, like, image issues, self-confidence, things like that. Um, And then it just kind of, um, kind of just got, it it grew up, sorry, it it, it got bigger inside Mm -hmm. me because I didn't share how I was feeling with anyone. I didn't shout and I just didn't feel comfortable talking about how I was feeling so then it just got to um like a worse point and then at that time honestly at that time um I was definitely like suicidal like depressed and and severely anxious um and so I did try to reach out Mm -hmm. I remember that you reached out a couple times for me in school and stuff which I'm appreciative of um but even my experiences with the, the, the mental health um, places weren't the best. I, I don't remember the place, what it was called, but I did go to one place one day, and this was before my family knew that I was suicidal. And the woman there was like, I'm legally obligated to tell them because you've told me this. It's a danger to yourself or others. They have to tell people. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll tell my mom today. I'll tell her, whatever, whatever. And then she said she'd call back in three days to make sure that um, it, that my mom knew. And she never called back to check up. So I was a little like... This was a walk-in clinic though, right? Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. It was. Yeah. So uh, obviously, you know, the resources weren't um, mm-hmm. as, as good as they could have been, which I don't mean any disrespect, but... I don't know. I feel like it was one promise that they made and they didn't fall through. Yeah. And I don't know how many other people they haven't even called mm-hmm. to check up on. If if that one person who is supposed to be there to help you and supposed to be there to support you and you finally actually reach out and that one person is supposed to check up on you and they don't, that can be so damaging. Because yeah. what, what if that was my last resort and I finally, okay, I, I went to this walk-in and if this didn't help me, then that was it. Like, what yeah. if that was my last resort? And it could be so many other people's last resorts as well to go to these free places, like the, the easiest places that they could, and they don't even check up on you. Like, it's it's damaging to yourself, and it, it definitely helps the negative thoughts take over. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, this is your job, and you still didn't do it. Like, am yeah. I really not worth anything? So, like, obviously... I don't know how many people it's happened to and and I can't say the same for every mental place um, because I did go to other places and I I did end up being hospitalized but the hospital was actually a completely different story and it helped a lot but that was but that was also at the point where you needed intensive help though right like would you say that like because the thing I've learned with walking clinics too is that 
the mental health system overall is just very underfunded. So yes, we do have walk-in clinics, but they have like, they have thousands of people that they're trying to help too, because these people Mm -hmm. can't really afford services or they're waiting for like two to three years for services. Right. Yeah. And you know, they, I don't think they individually have the time to be like, oh, like, I'm pretty sure they're listening to so many people and they're talking to so many people that they don't always remember. And, you know, in Mm -hmm. your situation, like, yeah, what if that was your last resort? Right. And I think, that we're, that's where it comes back to, you know, what do we need to do better in the mental health system in general to make sure that mm-hmm. it's good for everyone and everyone, you know, is not like struggling with anything when it comes to receiving mental health resources or, you know, services. Yeah, I think that definitely um, they should be improved, definitely more funding and stuff like that because and and it's only getting to the point like you guys have said like the awareness and stuff it's only kind of getting to the point where people are actually understanding that mental illness is a real thing it's not just oh you're sad get over it Uh like so many people have that mentality and so many people still have that mentality so Mm -hmm. once that mentality passes or finally gets like changed and fixed I think that the funding will start to increase and the quality of the services will also increase but yeah that's my experience I don't know yeah, thanks for sharing that. that I don't really know. Thanks for sharing that vulnerability. No, <laughs> no, no problem. No, thank you for sharing that, Claire. I think like you made a lot of good points. Like, unfortunately, a lot of cases for people where it's like, okay, like, like I think for people just in general, like even taking that first step is such a big thing. Mm-hmm. But then knowing so, that like you're you're doing everything you can on your end to get the help that you need, but you're still not getting like the proper help until it's like super like intensive and you're you're like like very very last like lifeline yeah you know it's just it's heartbreaking heartbreaking to to see that but also I think like that point of like it being completely underfunded I think that a hundred percent plays a role right because it's like you've got like clinics up but then these clinics probably have like a capacity to like see probably like 100 people but then you've got like 200 people trying to get into these clinics right and so it's like it's like how are you meant to distribute those resources to everyone to make sure that everyone gets help so yeah no I agree with that no Mm -hmm. yeah I totally do I, I think I just wanted to add a point in here I think when you talked especially when you were like hey people are only getting to the awareness it's like what I've kind of noticed around me even in my high school like career, even in university, like even in my first year with my peers, is that we constantly talk about mental health. We'll have all of these events. Oh yeah. But the stigma is so internalized in yourself. Within yourself, you're carrying that stigma. Like I can go to a Bell Let's Talk event, right? And I can go to that mm-hmm. and it can be like, hey, let's break the stigma. But I st- I'm still carrying stigma in myself when I'm trying to go get services. Like I still yeah. experience that. I feel like a lot of the times you think we've breaking that stigma, but it's like, no, we haven't. Cause I know like, I, like, I know with you too, when we, when, you know, when you were going through this and I was trying to, I guess we were talking about stigma, like mm-hmm. you had a hard time even kind of, we were talking about it. And I think you didn't understand it was stigma either that you were going through. Like it was your self stigma mm-hmm. inside of you. And I feel like I've experienced that even with my unit, like even with my university peers is that a lot of them were struggling so much in their first year and were like so depressed and had so much anxiety, but none of them wanted to get help because they were like, oh, this is just the first year. This is how you're supposed to feel. You know, yeah. everyone gets down this down in the first year. And it's like, no, like getting help is fine. Getting help is okay. But mm-hmm. it's just, it's just so stigmatized still. I agree with you because even as someone who's gone through my lows and highs, it's taken me so long to be like, hey, like 
you need to go seek help like it's not just you're not like just down like it's not something you'll Mm -hmm. get over you're not just like upset it's not every day that this happens you know like for me it like something will have to be really bad for me to even go up to the counselors like it was so bad where I physically like other people had to tell me to go talk Mm -hmm. because it was so bad you know like it and even then I would like gaslight myself and that's something I've actually realized over quarantine is that I gaslight myself to be like no you're perfectly in reality Mm -hmm. like I'm going through so Mm -hmm. much anxiety I can't even handle it I'm snapping that's so true I I think it's like so incredibly easy to literally just tell yourself to shut up like honestly like you could be feeling the worst and you're just like okay you're being dramatic like that's literally you're just being dramatic stop doing that yeah no that that, that's so so true very easy to dismiss how you're feeling I think it's because well obviously anyone no one would want to admit or realize they're actually feeling that sad like wants to feel that sad it's not a a, a goal (laughs) that you want so I think uh, people tend to dismiss it a lot and think okay I'll be fine tomorrow or okay I'll I'll be fine the next day the next day the next day like people kind of try to push it away a little bit instead of embracing how they're feeling and realizing okay I'm a bit too anxious for my 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 yeah. own good you know mm-hmm. like I shouldn't yeah. have been anxious about this one thing for three weeks and and yeah. again like you said like with the the stigma and stuff I think people they definitely dismiss it but then also I think it's like people kind of are too harsh on themselves for feeling upset they, they make themselves feel worse for feeling sad which is a horrible horrible uh habit to have because yeah. As a human being, your brain has so many thoughts and chemicals and stuff like that. Like it is, it's 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 understandable, and unfortunately, it's too frequent. It's it's not like you're the only person who's feeling this way, you know. Yeah. So you can't be upset with yourself. If anything, this should mean if you're if you're realizing you're this sad, it should mean that you should be nicer to yourself. You mm-hmm. should be more comforting to yourself yeah. and supportive mm-hmm. and be like, okay, I'm gonna get through this. I love myself. I love the people, the the, the spe- sorry specific people around me, stuff like that. So I think it's either dismissed or it's like you you take it on yourself too hard, stuff like that. I don't know. I was just kind of thinking that when you were talking about the stigma. Yeah. So I just wanted to add that. No, but. that that makes total sense. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. you you do that to yourself. You tell yourself that, you know, you're just being overdramatic and yeah. you are going through worse or things and you know, you, you just try to push yourself to a level where you're like, there's nothing wrong with me in yeah. the end. I feel like that's Wait. where it comes to in the end. <laughs> I that was great that you just said that because um it's also that mentality of okay I'm fine people yeah. are going through worse that's mm-hmm. not a good mentality to that's have not <laughs> one what other people are going through is not on especially people across the world people in different yeah. countries things like that that's not a personal toll that you have to take on yourself yeah. and you can't you can't blame yourself for other people's misfortune unless obviously you specifically did something to someone (laughs) um but also like there is no rule for the number of people that can be suffering at once you know Mm -hmm. there's no rule for that so yes other people do have it worse a hundred percent and I feel for them 
but also that doesn't mean I can be I can't be upset as well yeah it doesn't mean I can't be anxious about something else mm -hmm. or it doesn't mean I have to focus all my negative energy on this one issue that other people are experiencing because we're yeah. all our own person we all have our own family lives stuff like that all our own financial issues health issues all the, and especially during COVID all of these things are happening so you can't really tell yourself get over it other people are dealing with stuff because yes other people are dealing with stuff but your feelings are valid they're just as valid yeah it's really important to make sure that you're validating yourself and how you're feeling because that's like one of the first steps you got to take before you can actually change no i i totally agree with that i feel like that's we all i feel like i could say everyone in this room kind of has like a little bit of a problem with that if I'm not mistaken, where it's like you do that to yourself sometimes or you are feeling too anxious for your own good and you're like, hmm, like just, you know, like everyone's going through something worse and you're not validating mm -hmm. your own feelings. So you're just gaslighting yourself in the end. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of bringing this conversation back. So I think in the first podcast, we did talk a little bit about cultural aspects and mental health and how cultural aspects play into our own mental health. And I just kind of wanted to talk about that with you guys. How do you deal with the stigma around mental health within your own culture? I know Tass, you're a Bangladeshi. Just like from your own experience, like how have you overcome that stigma culturally? Because I feel like our cultures play such a big aspect into sure. how we look at mental health and how much our own stigma affects mental health. Claire, do you want to go first? I want first. Um, I don't know. We don't really have much of a, a, a culture. Like, of course, Northern you Ireland. Do have a culture. You do have a culture. <laughs> but it's not very, um, well, at least I have noticed that it's not super, um, like, demeaning against, like, or, 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 or um, what's it called? Dismissive towards yeah. um, mental health. But also, that's because I haven't really actually followed my Northern Irish culture. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't experienced it myself. Like, my culture hasn't affected anything. Mm -hmm. It's more like just myself and, and the, the, the services that I have access to. So, so I'm not the best person to answer that. <laughs> I mean, I guess, like, just in general, like, you know, like, how, how had your parents reacted? Like, did they have any dismissiveness towards you or were they very, like, you know, open to talk about it with you? And, you know, how much did that play a part into it? Um, well, for my parents, uh, it was, like, once they knew that how severe a uh, problem was, obviously, they were very supportive and, like, to get help. But also, in specific, specific topics, uh, like anxiety and stuff like that, it's just, like, they don't really understand it yeah. more, um, which isn't a cultural thing. It's just a personal thing. She doesn't, they don't really understand, um, like, how can you be anxious about making a phone call or how can you be anxious about friends or whatever? Because it's just like they haven't experienced that, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's more of like they don't understand. So that's kind of how it was for me. But I'd like to hear Tass or Ikra about the cultural stuff. I, I don't think that should be overlooked. No, no, definitely. So I think I'm very lucky in a sense where, like, I grew up in a, Amer a like, a Canadian Bengali kind of um, community. Mm -hmm. And so even though my parents weren't, like, they only take mental health seriously when it's, like, an actual, like, when it's, like, a, when it becomes a physical issue if that makes sense mm -hmm. 
and that's how it originally was but because of the community like we have and because of the people like the girls and the guys who are like my age and who are like our generation who's taking their time to teach their parents about it I know my parents are a lot more supportive about it even during quarantine was like oh like are you like she was asking me about my anxiety and stuff which Mm -hmm. is like awesome right like you go from not speaking about it your half your life to actually having your parents like genuinely ask you about it it's Mm -hmm. just honestly the best feeling in the world um but I do have to say that because of the way we were all raised and the culture we grew up in it's hard for us as like individuals to come to the terms with the fact that we have an issue Mm -hmm. if we're like normal you know what I mean so someone who like goes to like it's really big of my culture to go to like university and go to um like pursue higher education become do a great job so it's really hard for people to come to terms with like someone in university is going through that you know like why would you be going through that your life is fine right so that's more and so it's not only that like people are like our parents are unsupportive of it like they're definitely more supportive of it than we are it's more the fact that we have a hard time coming to terms with the fact that Mm -hmm. we're not okay like I had a hard time coming to the terms with the fact that like there was something wrong with me I was like why would there be something wrong with me everything's going right like following the path like that would make my parents proud that's uh, I'm doing something that I like and not my parents aren't forcing me to do something like there's no reason for me to be upset and so it goes back to the thing where you like gaslight yourself and I think yeah majority of my gaslighting came from the fact that I did come from a culture that didn't really not see mental health issues but expected like physical yeah like for mental illness so yeah physical illness like you can't get up in bed and then that's when they know like it's really serious and they're like oh yeah you know we gotta actually get her help for mental health like I feel like for me too when I started going to actually group therapy which I think was around in grade 10 it wasn't until Mm -hmm. like I think I had like a mental breakdown in front of my parents (laughs) <laughs> that they were like, okay, we need to actually take her to a therapist and see what's going on here. Yeah, I think like in that way, like, like we've, okay, so I, like, I can't speak to her mental health experience because the way that I've experienced it in this household is very different from the way that she's <laughs> experienced it. But like, it's obviously, mm-hmm. like, the the one common thing that we've both shared between us is like our mother struggles with it. And I think like, um, I find myself like I for me I find like for me like if if I've faced any anxiety or anything it's always been very situational um so I can't really speak anything on that but I think like just in regards to like mental health like I want to say that we are super supportive about it and that we are you know talking about it but I feel like it's like what Tass said as well it's like unless you see a physical ailment like that's when it's taken seriously um but other than that it's always just like because I know because I know, like, do you remember when we went to the wedding and then one of our aunts was like, oh, and I think, like, Musa actually literally had, like, a straight-up, like, anxiety attack there. And yeah. one of my aunts just went, oh, why is she crying in the bathroom? And I'm, like, looking at her and I'm like, this girl literally just ran to the bathroom because she said she was having a hard time breathing. And she, this lady literally goes, oh, why is she crying? Why is she upset? And I'm like, excuse me. So I think it's, like, it's it's still a very hush-hush topic. Like, it's like, okay, fine, mm-hmm. we're in your own household. Let's talk about it. But beyond that, let's just, you know, keep it a little quiet because no one else wants to talk about it. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. No. Yeah. I I definitely feel that. Like I feel like even with my mom, it's because she sows like physical elements of her being in a very bad place mentally. Because with her, she's like she takes pills to help control her anxiety and depression. Even with her, there's days where she can't get out of bed or she's having pat. Like with quarantine happening, she's I guess been very nervous about the virus, like having COVID nineteen. So she's been having panic attacks on and off. And like it's like Mm -hmm. we've seen those physical elements, so we know it's to that point where she needs to go back to her psychiatrist and get help but that's what I mean it's like it's only until those physical elements show where it's like I feel like it's taken seriously it's taken very Mm -hmm. seriously like for me like I have really bad anxiety sometimes and I feel like with my parents if I tell them they wouldn't really understand like until until I until I had like a mental like I had like a panic attack in front of them and they'd be like oh my god like she actually is struggling like I feel like even from my own personal experience when I did started going to therapy and everything my parents just kind of were like oh like you know, she's going to therapy, she'll be fine. And I think one time we were in a group setting and we were like, so with this therapy kind of session, it was like a group therapy and it was with um, three other people who were like white. And I think one time we, and we would do this thing where we would- white because Claire's here. (laughs) 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 Okay, so basically um, what happened was um, we were like talking and we were like, talking about some of the struggles like we were having and we do, we did this thing where in the beginning where we would talk about a struggle we were facing in this week like for the week and then we would all come together and be like how can we help this person so I think one time and I told my therapist really privately about this so I'm kind of a little bit annoyed that she would kind of bring it up in front of everyone I went and I was like I'm kind of struggling trying to explain to my parents what anxiety is because they thought it was I was taking on too many courses or I was having too many curriculars that's how they saw it right and um so she ended up telling the whole group she was like musna is facing blah 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 this and this and i remember all of the people kind of being like why can't you just sit and talk to your parents about it like just sit with them and talk to them and i was like no like they don't understand that they don't understand that until i'm having a panic attack that Mm -hmm. is serious like they like for them it's like you know for them i feel like it's like that whole thing with like how they immigrated here and how they came from really hard times is that, you know, you're lucky here. You have a lot of things given to you easily than how it was given to me. So it's like, you know, what are you more, what are you upset about? I feel like that's the way they've kind of always looked at it. I just think it's a common thing among a lot of parents, unfortunately, is because, uh, and grandparents and stuff too, is uh, because, you know, if you grow up in a war, and then yeah. your your son or your daughter is upset for something else. Then you yourself as that parent might be like, okay, but I was going through bombings every day. So why are you upset? Yeah. So it, it's a bad mentality to have. It's more, it's again, kind of like the, I had worse though. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. isn't, it's not right because yes, you, you did go through that and it's horrible and thank God that you made it through and you're here now, mm-hmm. but everyone has their own things, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not saying that my experiences were as bad as getting bombed, which it, it definitely wasn't, mm-hmm. but my feelings were still real, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. So it's, I think it's, um, based off of how they grew up, they compare it to how we grow up. Yeah. And then that's, that's what needs to change as well. Yeah, you actually bring up a really good point because there was an article that someone wrote on that. It's like called like generational trauma, where I think mm-hmm. um, someone wrote it in regards to like 
the Holocaust and it was like one of her family members and her mom or her parents who went through the Holocaust and how she was facing that generational trauma from that incident or from that event in history and how it's like you try to like feel that person's pain but it's like you can't make that pain your own like how am I explaining this do you know what I mean it's like you're not responsible for that but it's like at the same time you're meant to sort of like sympathize with that and like understand it you know what I mean but it's like you can't you just really can't Mm -hmm. yeah definitely I feel like that's that's it it's like you you just can't like and it does go back to that it does go back to you know like my feelings are very real and I feel like that's what I've always struggled with when it comes to my mental health it's like how do I tell them in a way where like they understand that what I'm going through is very real and the feelings that I'm going through are very real and that you know, I just shouldn't be shut down because of it. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I feel like that's the always hardest kind of conversations I've always had with my parents. And I feel like some part of them do understand, but then they don't because they kind of see my anxiety as more of like, oh, I'm taking on too many courses at once, or I'm in too many extracurricular activities. And I just, I need to let it go. So like, yeah, that's, that's kind of been one of my um, problems too. And I feel like even now, like I'm struggling to, cause I want to go reach out and get services and like find someone I can Mm -hmm. talk to about my anxiety and how to manage it. But it's like, I'm, I'm like, I feel that like, like, is it like, I feel like it's a little bit weird. I feel that level of guilt where it's like, I am living in a better place than my parents and like, I shouldn't. So like, I'm still struggling with that myself too. (laughs) So yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. I'm gaslighting myself. Which you shouldn't. Which I shouldn't. Yeah. So I it's, hard, it's hard to it's, come to terms with yourself. Yeah. It's you, good that you, are you acknowledge yourself. it. Yeah. It's good you ad- you know. That way you can start to be, if you get those thoughts, you yeah. could be like, okay, but I'm still valid. My feelings are still valid. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I deserve to f- feel better. I deserve to be happier. Yeah. And I'm not mm-hmm. full of anxiety all the time. I deserve mm-hmm. to live my life peacefully. So you got to think of those things. So it's good that you're acknowledging that you're gaslighting <laughs> yourself, but you can't, ex- you can't compare your experiences to people's in the present or even in the future because their experiences aren't your experiences and yours aren't theirs. You've got to focus on you. Yeah, no, definitely. And I will like even just like where to reach out because the same thing what you said with mm-hmm. walking clinics, it's hard. My own university throughout the whole year, we've been emailing each other back and forth, but I haven't gotten an appointment since December. And now I'm transferring to a different university, which is the University of Toronto. (laughs) And I am kind of freaking out about your state of services. (laughs) Um, I will be honest, though. Like, um, I'm speaking from someone who, like, goes through highs mm -hmm. and lows. And I definitely do gaslight myself to a point where, like, I'm at my highs, I mm-hmm. I think, like, I was overreacting when I was at my lows, yeah. and so knowing that, I'm the kind of person who, like, only reaches out when things are bad, and the problem is, like, when I do reach out, I don't get the help I need in time, which is why I think I'm, like, oh, like, I'm over dramatic. Like I over. That's not over. That's not over dramaticness. I feel like when you're at a very low point and you actually reach out for that help, and that step is just a hard step as in itself. It just mm-hmm. it really sucks when you get turned yeah. down. It it just sucks. I it's like I can't say that their um stuff are bad. I'm sure like if you're always at your lows, it's great. But for someone like me who's like 
unsure about why she's at her lows, unsure about like mm-hmm. when she's at her lows, someone who's like not really wanting to admit that she, they had all the issues. Yeah. It's really hard for people like that to receive help. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, the first Some step is too. to want help. Yeah. No, yeah, I definitely do. It's good. <laughs> It's a cliche to say that. Everyone says that to me all the time. They're like, well, the first step is wanting it. And, and it is true, though, because if, if, if you don't want to be helped and you have, say you have super rich parents and they're sending you to the top, top therapists spending millions of dollars, whatever, whatever, it doesn't matter. They yeah. can send you to whoever the heck they want. If you don't you're want so that help, if you don't think that you're worthy of being better or, or, or anything like that, then it's not going to work. They can tell you anything and you can be like, yeah, okay. And it won't change how you feel. <laughs> no, it definitely. So it, it's definitely one of the first steps is to be like, I want this help. I want to mm-hmm. feel better. And yeah. I'm going to start. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I totally agree. Um, so I guess to just wrap up this whole conversation, my ending question is, what do you specifically want to see, whether it's like services or just the stigma that you're seeing around or just the struggles of your peers is like, what do you want to see specifically change in the mental health landscape here in Canada or like through the mental health system here in Canada? Like what changes do you want to see? I really want to see mental health become more accessible and actually be funded as something like, um, like our emergency downs need to be treated how um, emergency rooms are treated in the hospital. Um, but I think that needs to become more accessible and more mm-hmm. money needs to be funded to it like it is an health issue rather than just a normal like oh like hey we're talking about it but like hopefully like the cuts from the police department go into that (laughs) um i think the cut i i don't know if you guys heard but i think they're not cutting it that much (laughs) they did it's 10 percent, and it's almost um a little over a million oh it's supposed to like be fractioned out into a lot of things so chances are like it won't Mm -hmm. like we there That's, won't be a lot of funds going yeah. to mental health, but, like, better than nothing now. Um, I guess, sure. yeah, but I feel like mental health on its own, it's, like, our M- MPs, like, Doug Ford, he needs to, like, make that his top priority because I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys know, but we have a list of more than 200 or 300 youth, like, like really young people who are on a service list who are still waiting to get mental health services from three years counting. So they're still mm-hmm. waiting. So. I actually like to come back to this point. According to Children's Mental Health Ontario, right now there are 28,000 children and youth across Ontario who are still waiting for mental health care services. These lists include youth and children who have been waiting for 2.5 years to receive these services in the mental health care system here in Ontario. If you want to learn more, please visit the Children's Mental Health Ontario website. Now back to our conversation. Yeah, it's a wait list. Like, it's crazy. That wait list is crazy. It's been three years, and these people haven't received any, like, help at all. And it keeps getting bigger. And he under... Okay, so it's really weird because, you know, like, he kind of, like, cut the funding, and then he bought more funding, but it's still not enough funding to help get rid of that wait list. So it's like, Mm. that's just an eye-opener in itself. It's just that, like, it's an eye-opener in itself that we need... A, like a more amount of funding to actually get rid of that wait list but then we need a lot more funding to help people in general so that's kind of where True. we're at yeah and I also um agree with Tass as well I think like we need to make services more accessible 
Um, but like, it, it's sort of like a right now, right there type situation and not like a, oh yeah, come walk in, but like, we'll see what we can do for you within the next month. Um, and also, uh, oh, and also I think, um, um, <laughs> I think, I think, yeah, I think just in general, like, but also like making sure that like, cause I think living in Toronto, we do have just in terms of like mental health resources, we do have a lot of resources comparative to like, you're looking at like very sort of um, isolated rural areas, like in Quebec, mm-hmm. especially, I know that they barely have nothing down there. Um, I know in BC, um, it, it, BC, they don't have as many services. You've literally got people driving like hours away, like taking day offs from work, trying to get to their therapist. So I think it's like just making sure that like areas mm-hmm. of highest priority are taken care of first, because if we don't do that, then yeah, I mean, you, you really can't, like you just need to make sure that people who literally have nothing at all get something first. Um, and I think it's just going that way as well. Hmm. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I'd also like to see like the change in stigma as well, like you said, um, of course. But also like with the, the, the mental health services, I agree with you guys because I don't think that I hope you enjoyed our first episode. Please like, comment, and share on what you thought about this episode. I am your host, Muzna Aram. Till next time.